Act Three of The Good Natured Man. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Good Natured Man by Oliver Goldsmith. Act Three. Scene Young Honeywood's House. Bailiff Honeywood. Follower. Look, yes, sir. I have arrested as good men as you in my time. No disparagement of you neither. Men that would go forty guineas on a game of cribbage. I challenge the town to show a man in more gentiler practice than myself. Without all question, Mr. I forget your name, sir. How can you forget what you never knew? <laughs> may I beg leave to ask your name? Yes, you may. Then pray, sir, what is your name? That I didn't promise to tell you. <laughs> A joke breaks no bones, as we say among us that practice the law. You may have reason for keeping it a secret, perhaps. The law does nothing without reason. I'm ashamed to tell my name to no man, sir. If you can show cause as why, upon a special capus, that I should prove my name. But come, Timothy Twitch is my name. And uh, now you know my name, what have you to say to that? Nothing in the world, good Mr. Twitch. But that I have a favour to ask, that's all. Aye, favours are more easily asked than granted, as we say among us that practice the law. I have taken an oath against granting favours. Would you have me perjure myself? But my request will come recommended in so strong a manner as, I believe, you'll have no scruple. Pulling out his purse. The thing is only this. I believe I shall be able to discharge this trifle in two or three days at farthest. But as I would not have the affair known for the world, I have thoughts of keeping you and your good friend here about me till the debt is discharged, for which I shall be properly grateful. Oh, that's another maxim and altogether within my oath. For certain, if an honest man is to get anything by a thing, there's no reason why all things should not be done in civility. Doubtless, all trades must live, Mr. Twitch, and yours is a necessary one. Gives him money. Oh, your honour, I hope your honour takes nothing amiss as I does, as I does nothing but my duty in so doing. I'm sure no man can say I ever give a gentleman that was a gentleman ill usage. If I saw that a gentleman was a gentleman, I have taken money not to see him for ten weeks together. Tenderness is a virtue, Mr. Twitch. Aye, sir, it's a perfect treasure. I love to see a gentleman with a tender heart. I don't know, but I think I have a tender heart myself. If all that I have lost by my heart was put together, it would make a... but no matter for that. Don't account it lost, Mr. Twitch. The ingratitude of the world can never deprive us of the conscious happiness of having acted with humanity ourselves. Humanity, sir, is a jewel. It's better than gold. I love humanity. People may say that we are in our way have no humanity, but I'll show you my humanity this moment. There is my follower here, little Flanagan, with a wife and four children. A guinea or two would be more to him than twice as much to another. Now, as I can't show him any humanity myself, I must beg leave you'll do it for me. 
I assure you, Mr. Twitch, yours is a most powerful recommendation. Giving money to the follower. Sir, you're a gentleman. I see you know what to do with your money. But to business, we are to be with you here as your friends, I suppose. But set in case company comes. Little Flanagan here, to be sure, has a good face, a very good face, but then he's a little seedy, as we say among us that practice the law, not well in clothes, smoke the pocket-holes. Well, that shall be remedied without delay. Enter servant. Sir, Miss Richland is below. How unlucky. Detain her a moment. We must improve my good little friend, Mr. Flanagan's appearance first. Here, let Mr. Flanagan have a suit of my clothes. Quick, the brown and silver. Do you hear? That, Your Honor, gave away to the begging gentleman that makes verses, because it was as good as new. The white and gold, then. That, Your Honor, I made bold to sell because it was good for nothing. Well, the first that comes to hand, then. The blue and gold, then. I believe Mr. Flanagan will look best in blue. Exit Flanagan. Rabbit may, but little Flanagan will look well in anything. Ah, if your honor knew that bit of flesh as well as I do, you'd be perfectly in love with him. There's not a prettier scout in the four counties after a shycock than he. Scents like a hound, sticks like a weasel. He was master of the ceremonies to the Black Queen of Morocco when I took him to follow me. Re-enter Flanagan. Hey, Hickard, I think he'll look so well that I don't care if I have a suit from the same place for myself. Well, well, I hear the lady coming. Dear Mr. Twitch, I beg you'll give your friend directions not to speak. As for yourself, I know you will say nothing without being directed. Never you fear me. I'll show the lady that I have something to say for myself as well as another. One man has one way of talking, and another man has another. That's all the difference between them. Enter Miss Richland and her maid. You'll be surprised, sir, with this visit, but, you know, I am yet to thank you for choosing my little library. Thanks, madam, are unnecessary, as it was I that was obliged by your commands. Chairs here. Two of my very good friends, Mr. Twitch and Mr. Flanagan. Pray, gentlemen, sit without ceremony. Aside, who can these odd-looking men be? I fear it is as I was informed. It must be so. After a pause, a pretty weather, very pretty weather for the time of year, madam. Very good circuit weather in the country. You officers are generally favourites among the ladies. My friends, madam, have been upon very disagreeable duty. I assure you, the fair should, in some measure, recompense the toils of the brave. Our officers do indeed deserve every favour. The gentlemen in the marine service, I presume, sir? Why, madam, they do. Occasionally serve in the fleet, madam. A dangerous service. I'm told so. And I own it has often surprised me that while I've had so many instances of bravery there, we have so few of wit at home to praise it. I grant, madam, that our poets have not written as our soldiers have fought. But they have done all they could, and Hawk or Amherst could do no more. I am quite displeased when I see a fine subject spoiled by a dull writer. We should not be so severe against dull writers, madam. It is ten to one, but the dullest writer exceeds the most frigid French critic who presumes to despise him. 
damn the french the parley vous and all that belongs to them sir <laughs> honest mr flanagan a true english officer madam he's not contented with beating the french but he will scold them too yet mr honeywood this does not convince me but that severity in criticism is necessary it was our first adopting of severity of french taste that has brought them to turn to taste us taste us by the lord madam they devour us give monsieurs but a taste and i'll be damned but they come in for a billyful very extraordinary this but very true what makes the bread rising the parlez-vous that devour us what makes the mutton fivepence a pound the parlez-vous that eat it up what makes the beer thrums apne a pot aside ah the vulgar rogues all will be out right gentlemen very right upon my word and quite to the purpose they draw a parallel madam between the mental taste and that of ourselves we are injured as much by the french severity in the one as by french rapacity in the other that's their meaning though i don't see the force of the parallel yet i'll own that we should sometimes pardon books as we do our friends that have now and then agreeable absurdities to recommend them that's all my eye the king only can pardon as the law says for certain case i'm quite of your opinion sir i see the whole drift of your argument yes certainly our presuming to pardon any work is arrogating a power that belongs to another if all have power to condemn what writer can be free by his habeas corpus his habeas corpus can set him free at any time for certain case i'm obliged to you sir for the hint if madam as my friend observes our laws are so careful of a gentleman's person sure we ought to be equally careful of his dear part his fame ay but if so be a man's nab you know mr flanagan if you spoke for ever you could not improve the last observation for my own part i think it conclusive as for the matter of that mayhap nay sir give me leave in this instance to be positive for where there is the necessity of censoring works without genius which must shortly sink of themselves what is it but aiming an unnecessary blow against a victim already under the hands of justice justice oh by the eleventh if you talk about justice i think i'm at home there for in course of law my dear mr twitch i discern what you would be at perfectly and i believe the lady must be sensible of the art with which it is introduced i suppose you perceive the meaning madam of his course of law i protest sir i do not i perceive only that you answer one gentleman before he is finished and the other before he has well begun madam you're a gentlewoman and i will make the matter out this here question is about severity and justice and pardon and the like of they now to explain the thing aside oh curse your explanations enter servant mr leontine sir below desires to speak with you upon earnest business aside that's lucky dear madam you'll excuse me and my good friends here for a few minutes there are books madam to amuse you come gentlemen you know i make no ceremony with such friends after you sir excuse me well if i must but i know your natural politeness before and behind you know ay ay before and behind before and behind exeunt honeywood 
bailiff and follower what can this all mean garnets mean madam why what should it mean but what mr lofty sent you here to see these people he calls officers are officers sure enough sheriff's officers bailiffs madam ay it is certainly so well though his perplexities are far from giving me pleasure yet i own there is something very ridiculous in them and a just punishment for his dissimulation and so they are but i wonder madam that the lawyer you just employed to pay his debts and set him free has not done it by this time he ought at least to have been here before now but lawyers are always more ready to get a man into troubles than out of them enter sir william honeywood for miss richland to undertake setting him free i own was quite unexpected it has totally unhinged my schemes to reclaim him yet it gives me pleasure to find that among a number of worthless friendships he has made one acquisition of real value for there must be some softer passion on her side that prompts this generosity ha here before me i'll endeavour to sound her affections madam as i am the person that have had some demands upon the gentleman of this house i hope you'll excuse me if before i enlarged him i wanted to see yourself the precaution was very unnecessary sir i suppose your wants were only such as my agent had power to satisfy partly madam but i was also willing that you should be fully apprised of the character of the gentleman you intend to serve it must come sir with a very ill grace from you to censor it after what you have done would look like malice and to speak favourably of a character you have oppressed would be impeaching your own and sure his tenderness his humanity his universal friendship may atone for many faults that friendship madam which is exerted in too wide a sphere becomes totally useless our bounty like a drop of water disappears when diffused too widely they who pretend most to this universal benevolence are either deceivers or dupes men who desire to cover their private ill-nature by a pretended regard for all or men who reasoning themselves into false feelings are more earnest in pursuit of splendid than of useful virtues i am surprised sir to hear one who has probably been a gainer by the folly of others so severe in his censure of it whatever i may have gained by folly madam you see i am willing to prevent your losing by it your cares for me sir are unnecessary i always suspect those services which are denied and where they are wanted and offered perhaps in hopes of a refusal no sir my directions have been given and i insist upon their being complied with thou amiable woman i can no longer contain the expressions of my gratitude my pleasure you see before you one who has been equally careful of his interest one who has for some time been a concealed spectator of his follies and only punished in hopes to reclaim him his uncle sir william honeywood you amaze me how shall i conceal my confusion i fear sir you'll think i have been too forward in my services i confess sir don't make any apologies madam i only find myself unable to repay the obligation and yet i have been trying my interest of late to serve you having learnt madam that you had some demands upon government i have 
though unasked, been your solicitor there. Sir, I am infinitely obliged to your intentions, but my guardian has employed other gentlemen, who assures him of success. Who? The important little man that visits here? Trust me, madam. He's quite contemptible among men in power, and utterly unable to serve you. Mr. Lofty's promises are much better known to people of fashion than his person, I assure you. How we have been deceived, and sure as can be, here he comes. Does he? Remember, I'm to continue unknown. My return to England has not yet been made public. With what impudence he enters! Enter Lofty. Let the chariot, let my chariot, drive off. I'll visit to his graces in a chair. Miss Richland here before me, punctual as usual to the calls of humanity. I'm very sorry, madam, things of this thing should happen, especially to a man I have shown everywhere, and carried amongst us as a particular acquaintance. I find, sir, that you have an art of making the misfortunes of others your own. My dear madam, what can a private man like me do? One man can't do everything, and then I do so much in this way every day. Let me see. Something considerable might be done for him by subscription. It could not fail if I carried the list. I'll undertake to set down a brace of dukes, two dozen lords, and half the lower house, at my own peril. And, after all, it's more than probable, sir, he might reject the offer of such powerful patronage. Then, madam, what can we do? You know I never make promises. In truth, I once or twice tried to do something with him in the way of business. But as I often told his uncle, Sir William Honeywood, the man was utterly impracticable. His uncle? Then that gentleman, I suppose, is a particular friend of yours. Meaning me, sir? Yes, madam, as I often said, my dear Sir William, you are sensible I would do anything, as far as my poor interest goes, to serve your family. But what can be done? There's no procuring first-rate places for ninth-rate abilities. I have heard of Sir William Honeywood. He's abroad in employment. He confided in your judgment, I suppose. Why? Yes, madam, I believe Sir William had some reason to confide in my judgment. One little reason, perhaps. Pray, sir, what is it? Why, madam, but let it go no farther. It was I procured him his place. Did you, sir? Either you or I, sir. This, Mr. Lofty, is very kind indeed. I did love him. To be sure, he had some amusing qualities. No man was fitter to be a toast-master to a club, or had a better head. A better head? Aye, at a bottle. To be sure, he was as dull as a choice spirit. But, hang it, he was grateful, very grateful. And gratitude hides a multitude of faults. He might have reason, perhaps. His place is pretty considerable, I'm told. 
a trifle, a mere trifle, among us men of business. The truth is, he wanted dignity to fill up a greater. Dignity of person, do you mean, sir? I'm told he's much about my size and figure, sir. Aye, tall enough for a marching regiment. But then he wanted a something, a consequence of form, a kind of a... I believe the lady perceives my meaning. Oh, perfectly. Your courtiers can do anything, I see. My dear madam, all this is but a mere exchange. We do greater things for one another every day. Why, as thus now, let me suppose you the first lord of the treasury. You have an employment in you that I want. I have a place in me that you want. Do me here, do you there. Interest of both sides. Few words, flat, done and done. And it's over. Aside, a thought strikes me. Now you mentioned Sir William Honeywood, madam, and as he seems, sir, an acquaintance of yours, you'll be glad to hear he is arrived from Italy. I had it from a friend who knows him as well as he does me, and you may depend upon my information. Aside, the devil he is. If I had known that, we should not have been quite so well acquainted. He is certainly returned, and as this gentleman is a friend of yours, he can be of signal service to us, by introducing me to him. There are some papers relative to your affairs that require dispatch, and his inspection. This gentleman, Mr. Lofty, is a person employed in my affairs. I know your service. My dear madam, I live but to serve you. Sir William shall even wait upon him, if you think proper to command it. That would be quite unnecessary. Well, we must introduce you then. Call upon me, let me see, I, in two days. Now, or the opportunity will be lost forever. Well, if it must be now, now let it be. But, damn it, that's unfortunate. My Lord Griggs' cursed Pensacola business comes on this very hour, and I'm engaged to attend another time. A short letter to Sir William will do. You shall have it. Yet, in my opinion, a letter is a very bad way of going to work. Face to face, that's my way. The letter, sir, will do quite as well. Zounds! Sir, do you pretend to direct me? Direct me in the business of office? Do you know me, sir, who I am? Dear Mr. Lofty, this request is not so much his as mine. If my commands, but you despise my power. Delicate creature, your commands could even control a debate at midnight. To a power so constitutional, I am all obedience and tranquillity. He shall have a letter. Where is my secretary? Dubardieu, and yet I protest. I don't like this way of doing business. I think if I first spoke to Sir William, uh, but you will have it so. Exit with Miss Richland. Alone. Ha! <laughs> ha! This, too, is one of my nephew's hopeful associates. 
O vanity, thou constant deceiver, how do all these efforts to exalt serve but to sink us? Thy false colorings, like those employed to heighten beauty, only seem to mend that bloom which they contribute to destroy. I'm not displeased at this interview. Exposing this fellow's impudence to the contempt it deserves may be of some use to my design. At least, if he can reflect, it will be of use to himself. Enter Jarvis. How now, Jarvis? Where's your master, my nephew? At his wit's end, I believe. He's scarce gotten out of one scrape, but he's running his head into another. How so? The house has but just been cleared of the bailiffs, and now he's again engaging, tooth and nail, in assisting old Croker's son to patch up a clandestine match with the young lady that passes in the house for his sister. Ever busy to serve others? Ay, anybody but himself. The young couple, it seems, are just getting out for Scotland, and he supplies them with money for the journey. Money? How is he able to supply others who has scarce any for himself? Why, there it is. He has no money, that's true. But then, as he never said no to any request in his life, he has given them a bill, drawn by a friend of his upon a merchant in the city, which I am to get changed. For you must know that I am to go with them to Scotland myself. How? It seems the young gentleman is obliged to take a different road from his mistress, as he is to call upon an uncle of his that lives out of the way, in order to prepare a place for their reception when they return. So they have borrowed me from my master as the properest person to attend the young lady down. To the land of matrimony. A pleasant journey, Jarvis. Uh, but I'm only to have all the fatigues on it. Well, it may be shorter and less fatiguing than you imagine. I know but too much of the young lady's family and connections, whom I have seen abroad. I have also discovered that Miss Richland is not indifferent to my thoughtless nephew, and will endeavor, though I fear in vain, to establish that connection. But, come, the letter I wait for must be almost finished. I'll let you further into my intentions in the next room. Exeunt. End of Act Three.